Uh, you know, it's a, it's a good thing that uh, uh, it, it's, you know, I, this morning I had to take my albuterol. I had to take my albuterol because I was kind of feeling, I'm like, I, I brought it with me, but I, it's a good thing we have stuff like that uh, for, for days like this. Um, you know, I want to take a moment and I, I want us to, to pray. And right now, right now, I mean, you guys, you know what's going on. You, you, you know about the, the shooting down on Thousand Oaks. Twelve people are dead. Uh, you, you know uh, about, you know, you know about the fires. Uh, Paradise, you know, uh, according to the news, incinerated, just destroyed. 27,000 people out of their homes, uh, homeless uh, you know, there are, um, it's pretty bad. Uh, 25 people dead statewide. 25 people dead uh, from the fires. And uh, what we want to do is we want to pray for those who are suffering loss. We do. We want to pray. We want to pray that God will give them grace. We also want to pray that God will use this to, uh, for these people to turn to God in the middle of their suffering. Uh, C.S. Lewis, I don't know if y'all know who C.S. Lewis is, wrote a few books, but uh, some children's books, but some that are more thinking books like Mere Christianity. But one of the things that C.S. Lewis said is he said that uh, he said that, 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 that pain, suffering, is God's megaphone that, uh, that awakens a, a deaf world. That, that sometimes when nothing else gets our attention, pain does. And that's a really good time to start listening to God. And, uh, you know, right now... There has been some political posturing by Democrats and by Republicans uh, on what's going on in our nation. And I just don't think that where we're supposed to be is focused on political posturing. I think where we're supposed to be, I I think that politics divide us, uh, but Jesus saves us. And we need to focus on the one who saves us, and we need to focus on the one who unites us. And so we don't need to uh, spend a lot of time talking about politics. We need to spend a lot of time uh, seeking Jesus. And, and we need time on our knees. And, um, you know, the scriptures, is, it says this. It's, you know, in, in um, the Bible says, If my people who are called by my, my name will humble themselves and pray and uh, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will heal their land. And I, I believe that as a nation, we really need to seek God. We need to humble ourselves before him, and, uh, and we, need to, uh, we, we need him to heal our land. I think that's what we need as a nation. We need, I think we need revival in our church, Solana Valley Church. I think we need revival in all of our churches, in our community, and across our nation. And I believe that we need spiritual awakening. And so I want to lead us in prayer, but I want you to pray with me in your hearts. Would you please? Let's pray. God, today we want to pray for those who are hurting. I want to pray for uh, the families, the friends of uh, the 12 people who died this week in that that nightclub. Um, God, I, I want to... I want to pray for the families, the friends, and people who've lost loved ones in the fires. 
I want to pray for our first responders. I want to thank you for our first responders. I want to thank you for our veterans. I want to thank you for people serving today and, and how they serve us. And God, I want to pray for their protection as they're trying to respond to these different emergencies in our world, in our country, in our, in our state, in our community. And so I, I want to pray uh, for these people. God, I want to pray that this will be a time when, when we collectively will turn to you. That we'll quit all the political posturing and all talking about the things that divide us and, and focus on the one who saves us. And Lord, what we need today is we need revival in our church. We need revival in our hearts. And, and we need uh, revival in the churches of this community and, and across this nation. And Lord, what we pray for is we pray for that revival. We pray that we will turn from everything, everything that distracts us from you, that competes with you for our affections, that, 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 that grips our hearts so that we don't fully love you with the whole heart. God, we want to repent of all of that. We want to turn to you. And Lord, we want to pray for revival in our churches, and we want to pray for revival in our hearts, but we want to pray for spiritual awakening in this land. And God, we, we want to acknowledge that the only hope that we have as a nation isn't a political solution. We don't need political solutions to spiritual problems of the heart. We need a Savior. We need Jesus. And so, God, we want to humble ourselves right now before you. We want to repent, and we want to seek you with a whole heart. And God, I pray for revival. I pray for awakening in this land. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. All right. All right. Thank you for praying with me. I really appreciate that. Uh, we are doing a series in the book of Matthew. And right now we've been looking at, uh, the, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I've been preaching the greatest sermon ever. Because it's not my sermon. It's Jesus' sermon. And so when we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, the disciples' attitude. We looked at the Beatitudes and we talked about a disciple's influence, that we are the salt of the earth, we are the light of the world. We talked about those things. And then last week we talked about, we talked about, um, we, we talked about the disciples' righteousness. And what we said is that Jesus didn't come, we, we said, Jesus said, that he did not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but to fulfill it. And then what he talked about in this sermon is he talked about how we need a righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees and, and the teachers of the law. Ultimately, we need a, a righteousness that we can only have in the person of Jesus. And what Jesus says is be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And the only way that's possible is through trying really hard. I'm just kidding. The only way that's possible is through Jesus. And none of us will be able to try hard enough for that one. Okay? But we need his righteousness. We do. We need his righteousness. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, we're going to talk a little bit about spiritual disciplines. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I was an, an athlete, and I remember my coaches told me that if I wanted to be bigger and I wanted to be stronger and I wanted to perform better, then uh, wanting it wasn't enough. I had to work at it. And they told me I had to work in the weight room, and I had to spend time there working at it. And they told me that if I wanted to be better on the athletic field, that trying wasn't good enough. Trying is meaningless. It's pathetic. Training is everything. Trying, trying to run a marathon, you can't try to run a marathon, but you can train to run a marathon. Right now, my daughter Cass is training 
for a marathon. The other day she went out and ran 11 miles. And she's built her way up to 11. And she's building herself her, her, her way up to 26.2. But you get there not by trying. You get there by training. You get there not by wanting it. You get there by wanting it enough that you work at it. Does that make sense? That's what you do. You discipline yourself to make yourself stronger. Well, as a young person, I was also taught that there are certain kinds of spiritual disciplines. Disciplines that, that when we follow, they build spiritual muscle. You ever hear of this? Spiritual disciplines, things that we can do that make us stronger spiritually. So if there are areas where you're weak and there are areas you want to be stronger, there are disciplines that you can follow that can help strengthen your life. One example, reading your Bible. You ever hear that one? Read your Bible. Okay? Memorize Scripture. Study. Things like that. So what I want us to do right now is we're going to take just a moment, and I want you, either with the person right next to you, or three or four people, or 15, whatever's natural in your little section, but I'd like you to turn to one another And I would like you to share any disciplines either that you follow that help you in your walk with Jesus or perhaps disciplines that you've heard other people talk about that they feel like has helped them in their spiritual lives. And then I want you to share how the disciplines that you're talking about are actually helpful. So let's take a moment, turn to the person next to you or the little group around you, and let's talk about those things that build muscle and and how they do that. okay if I use you for an illustration? (laughs) All right. So let's take a moment. I'd like you to to share with the church uh, one at a time. I'd like to hear from some of you. What are some things that you talked about in your group that people brought up? What are some things, some disciplines that can help us build spiritual uh, muscle that you talked about? Okay, okay. So listening to worship music. All right. My wife loves to do that. Someone else? Okay. So three or four verses that you know. 
uh, that you can speak out loud. Okay. What else? Okay. So, so, so watching a little bit of Christian TV. Okay. Okay. Praying together as a couple. That's great. Reading scripture. Okay. What else? Okay. So listen to Christian music on the radio. Oops. I can spell. Kind of. Okay. What else? What what are disciplines that help build spiritual muscle? Okay, accountability. Okay, small group. Being in a small group provides that accountability. And I would add to accountability, you use the accountability word, but with that encouragement that we, we need accountability, but with the right healthy people who really encourage us to grow and develop. And a lot of that happens in a small group where you have some structure and praying together and reading the scriptures together. So, okay, yeah, that's great. Those are fantastic. What else? Okay, church. Worshiping as God's family. What else? Okay, so knowing your weaknesses, most of mine are behind the wheel. That's why I ride my bike more. Judy. Okay, service. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, service has a way of, of getting us to think less about ourselves, more about other people. That's, that's a great one. Anybody else? Communion? Daily communion. Okay. And then over here, did you, spending time in prayer. Okay. All right. These are all fantastic. Anything else? Celebration in Michelle? Okay. Yeah, that's a fantastic one. Yeah, Faith has a, uh, a journaling Bible, as does Joy. And... Um, Actually, I think, Cash, you do a lot of journaling, too. and uh, But journaling is something that's really good, really, really helpful for a lot of people. Sandra? Oh, okay, so a gratitude list. Yeah, that's fantastic. So uh, I was looking at this website called The Art of Manliness, and... Uh, yeah, I know. It's really funny. It has some really kind of neat articles. The guys are from, are, do you know what, Cass? Okay. It, it has some pretty neat articles in it, and they, they talk about all kinds of stuff. It talks about a hundred things that every man needs to know. And, and on that list, it's like, you know, how to cook eggs, how to change a flat tire, things like that, how to read a book. But it, it has a lot of stuff like that. And some of the stuff is kind of funny. A lot of the stuff is really, really good. But the other day, I came across, um, I came across, this article that they had on spiritual disciplines. 
And what they said is this. Spiritual disciplines are habits, practices. Well, it's kind of small to see up there, sorry. But spiritual disciplines are habits, practices, experiences that are designed to develop, grow, and strengthen certain qualities of spirit. To build the muscle, the muscles of one's character and expand the breadth of one's inner life. They structure the workouts uh, which train, uh, train the soul. Some dis- disciplines are personal, inward exercises that are practiced alone. Others require interpersonal relationships and are practiced in community. So, for example, we talked about worshiping together or being in a small group together, uh, things like that. And so what they listed, these were some of the disciplines that they listed on their, their website I thought were interesting is meditation, biblical meditation, meditating on the scriptures. So not simply reading it, but really mulling it over. Uh, not just simply reading what is written, but asking God to write what is written on your heart. But really meditating on the word of God. Prayer, uh, fasting, simplicity, fellowship, journaling, chastity, stewardship, submission, study, evangelism, contemplation, confession, solitude, gratitude, self-examination, silence, and, uh, and celebration. So a lot of the things that we said this morning, a few things that weren't said. And, uh, and my own personal experience has been this, that some, some disciplines work better for us than, than others. So, for example, we talked about journaling, and I've done some journaling. But the other day, we were up in Sacramento. Steve, you were with me. And this buddy of mine, uh, Paul Tomey, who has preached here a couple of times, Paul says, you know, journaling just doesn't work for him. Because he's always thinking about, what if somebody picks this up and reads it later? You know, like, like my wife or my kids. And he said, that when I start writing, he said, I just can't, I can't write out really what I'm thinking and feeling because I'm always thinking about who else could read this later. Uh, and for him, what really works for him is he loves getting into the Greek, into the Hebrew, which is something that, uh, you know, very few people are really equipped to do, okay? Most of us haven't had the same level of training that, that he's had with that. So, uh, but different disciplines tend to work better for, for different people. Well, today what I want us to do is I want us to look at, and I want us to think about what does Jesus say to us about certain spiritual disciplines that build spiritual muscle in our lives? And so I want to read for us right now, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. So if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to open up to it. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18, we're going to have it on the screen as well. Jesus says this. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness, your good deeds, your spiritual disciplines, in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, uh, truly I tell you, they have received a reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, 
and pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. So don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts or our sins as we have forgiven our debtors or those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you give... For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others their fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. Uh, This morning, what does Jesus say to us about spiritual disciplines? What what does Jesus uh, talk to us about here with regards to spiritual disciplines? And and a couple things real quick that I want to say is that what Jesus does is he doesn't give us a comprehensive list of every spiritual discipline that we see talked about when you read through the entire scope of Scripture. But what he does is he focuses in on three disciplines in particular that were very important, uh, important practice. They were important practices in the first century uh, A.D. By, by Jews. And the three that he focuses on is he focuses on uh, giving, he focuses on uh, prayer, and he focuses on fasting. But just a, a couple of things here that Jesus teaches us about, about spiritual disciplines. Number one is we need to practice spiritual disciplines for God's reward and not to be seen by others. Are you with me here? That, that, that we need to, to practice spiritual disciplines for God's reward and not to be seen by others. In, in verse 1, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, be careful to practice your righteousness, or be, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Okay? Be careful not to practice uh, your, your righteousness to be seen by other people. That, that what we need to be careful of is we need to be careful of doing things in a way that draw attention to ourselves in the way we do it. Whether that's, you know, how we pray, like, for example, praying publicly, uh, how we uh, maybe... Uh, you know, I, I think memorizing Scripture can be fantastic. I've memorized a lot of Scripture in the past. But sometimes, to be honest with you, as a younger man, there were times I would kind of show off by what I'd memorized. You know, if there was, I mean, if I wasn't careful, I was, I was showing off instead of really being humble with what I had. And, and so I, I feel like that, that, you know, what Jesus wants for us here is he wants us to make sure that we're doing things. We're not doing it for recognition and praise by other people. That, that what we are doing is we're doing it to be seen by God and God alone, to be rewarded by God. Does this mean that, that it's, um, does this mean that all acts of righteousness need to always be secret? And, and because I, I think that's just kind of a natural question that, that evolves from this text. Is, does this mean that any kind of, we should be careful to never be recognized for anything we ever do? 
And what I would say is, no, no, that, that's not what Jesus is saying. Because if Jesus was saying that, he'd be contradicting himself in Matthew 5.16. Because in Matthew 5.16, Jesus says this. He says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. So in Matthew 5.16, he clearly says is that, that there's a sense in which we do need to be careful about not shrinking back. Let people see uh, uh, certain kinds of things. So, for example... Um, if Jesus is saying we should never do any act of righteousness in a public way, then I couldn't preach the Scriptures. Could I? Nobody could. There would be no, there'd be no biblical preaching. If we can't do anything publicly, there could be no biblical preaching. Why? Because we're doing it publicly. Uh, there could be no public prayer. And yet when you read through the Bible from beginning to end, you see prayer, public prayer, everywhere in the Scriptures. That... that, that we need to, that what Jesus is talking about here, now, what Jesus is saying is this, though. This is what Jesus is saying. If while I'm preaching, while I'm preaching, I'm kind of hoping for someone at the end of the service to say, wow, that was a great sermon, Gary. If while I'm preaching, I'm trying to make a good impression. If while I'm preaching, I'm trying to look good so all the good people will like me. If that's what I'm doing in my preaching, then my preaching is no good. It doesn't mean that God can't work through it and still use it to encourage someone, but as far as me and God are concerned, it's not good. So if someone up here is helping us to lead worship on a Sunday morning, and if that person, when they're leading worship, that their focus is, I want to be out of the spotlight, and I want to put the spotlight on Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, they're worshiping. They're worshiping in the presence of everybody. And they're leading. They're leading. Not shrinking back from leading. That's not what we're talking about. You've got to lead. But what they're doing is they're not trying to share the spotlight with Jesus. They're trying to make sure that in their worship, Jesus alone is in the spotlight so that they're leading all of us collectively in our worship of God. Does that make sense? So what we want to do is we, we need to practice spiritual disciplines for God's reward and not to be seen by others. Number two. We need to practice secret generosity. We need to practice secret generosity. In verse 2, Jesus says, So when you give to the needy, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Now, um, uh, in in, in Jesus' day, uh, what happened with a lot of the Pharisees and with a lot of the religious leaders is they liked to make a very, very public display of, of how they would give. And in, uh, what they would do is, is that in their giving, they would like to tra- call attention to themselves. And, and some people have said that they actually sounded horns when they would give uh, in the temple. The only problem with that is there actually, there's absolutely no documentation for anything like that in the first century A.D. The, 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 we don't see any mention of that anywhere for about a thousand years. It's more likely what Jesus is saying here is, you know the idiom, don't toot your own horn? Yeah. Well, what do we mean when we say don't toot your own horn? We're saying, you know, don't go around trying to promote yourself. Don't brag, don't boast. And what Jesus is saying has a very, very literal meaning is, is don't practice your giving in such a way that you're calling attention to yourself. Instead, do it secretly. Do it secretly to help other people for the honor and the glory of God. Okay? So, so in our world today, one of the things, I, this bugs me, bugs me, is... 
schools do this, or schools are notorious for this, where someone makes a large donation to the school. Yeah, they make a plaque. You know, they 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 they'll they'll have a, a they'll name a building after the person. You know, I, I I just for me I I I'm sorry I just I as long as I'm the pastor of this church we're not going to name this building after anybody. All right. Actually, I don't think anybody wants this building named after them. <laughs> But if we were to build a really nice building, you know, someone gives us land, they give us money for a building, we're not going to name the building after them. If we're going to name the building after anybody, we'll give them a brick. But if we're going to name the, the building after anybody, we'll name it after Jesus, all right? So, so but, but I, I think that what we need to do is we need to make sure that we're not practicing our generosity in such a way that we're trying to call attention to ourselves. Does this mean that we can never talk to someone about our generosity? No, I don't think that's true. I talked with my kids about it. If I don't talk to my kids about, about what generosity is supposed to look like, how are they going to learn? And so I talk very, very openly with my kids about my practices. I talk to them about how we, uh, how we earn what we earn. I talk to them about how we, we give what we get, how we save what we save, and how we spend what we spend. Why? Because it's my responsibility as a parent to teach them how to do those things. And sometimes in a context of discipleship, there may be someone that you, God needs you, or God doesn't need you, but God wants you, the other person needs you, to speak into their life in a discipleship moment. We're supposed to be training and encouraging and building each other up. And it's not trying to make a show to people. It's just simply helping people grow deeper and stronger in their own uh, practices, their walk with Jesus. But we should never do those things trying to impress or call attention to ourselves. Uh, number three, we need to practice secret prayer. We need to, to, to practice secret prayer. And again, remember, what Jesus is not forbidding here, he's not forbidding public prayer. If he were doing that, he is guilty of violating the very thing he taught. Jesus prayed publicly. Every one of the disciples, we see them, when you read through the New Testament, they're constantly praying publicly. There's all kinds of public prayer. So we shouldn't understand this as, as forbidding public prayer, but what we should understand is that public prayer that's done more for the purpose of trying to impress other people, uh, trying to sound more spiritual than we are, uh, then they're in that. That's just not healthy. It's not holy. Uh, and Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites who like to, to call attention to themselves. And he says, don't be like the babbling pagans who think that God's going to hear them because of their many words. I, and what I'm going to say is that maybe sometimes our prayers need to be shorter, not longer. Uh, first of all, what, what does Jesus say? He says that God knows what you need even before he, you ask him. And when he gives us a model of prayer, I'm not sure how many words are in it, so let's count them. Our, our, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, there, you know, it's not a real long prayer. It's not a real long prayer. But what he says is that this is the way you're supposed to pray. You're supposed to pray, you know, you're supposed to pray for the honor and the glory uh, of, of God's name. How would be your name? We are to pray for God's will to be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Praying that God's will would be done in our lives, that it will be his will we've done in our community, in our, our nation. Uh, we need to pray for things like like for, for God's provision. Give us today our daily bread. So, you know, I think that, you know, praying for your daily provision, it doesn't necessarily mean just bread, but whatever it is you need for today. Whatever it is, you know, if you need strength, whatever it is, if you've got a challenge ahead of you, you're praying about your daily needs and you're praying for God's sufficiency to help you with those things. Uh, we need to pray 
uh, where we are confessing our sins and repenting. Uh, forgive us our, our debts, our sins, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then we need to pray uh, for God's protection, and we need to pray for God's deliverance and temptation uh, and to deliver us from, from evil. So we, we need to, to, to practice uh, secret prayer. So uh, first of all, we need to practice spiritual disciplines for God's reward, not to be seen by others. Secondly, we need to practice secret generosity. Third, we need to practice secret pr- prayer. Uh, finally, fourth, we need to practice secret fasting. The, what the Bible says here in verse, verses 17 and 18, it says, when you fast, okay, so the assumption here is we're going to be fasting. When you fast, uh, put oil on your head, uh, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who, see, who, uh, who is unseen, and your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. So what we need to do is we need to, to practice secret fasting. Now, in the Bible, fasting is more than abstaining from food. Uh, fasting is more than abstaining from food. Fasting is a way of, uh, I believe in some respects, that fasting is a way of taming our appetites. It's a way of taming our appetites because sometimes, I mean, I can struggle with my appetites, especially if we have a box of Captain Crunch in the pantry or Cocoa Krispies. You know, I don't always tame my appetites really well. And so that, that fasting, it, it can help us to, to tame our appetites uh, by making our appetites serve us instead of us serving our appetites and making our appetites serve us as we're serving God. Uh, and then also, it's a way, I, I believe, that, that fasting in the Scriptures is, is less, it's, it's, it's more than simply abstaining from food. It's a way of drawing near to God. It's a way of drawing near to God. So in the, in the Scriptures, as you read through it, most fasts, there was only one fast that was required of the nation of Israel on a, a daily basis. And that was on Yom Kippur, uh, the Day of Atonement. So there was one mandatory fast once a year, that went from morning until evening, sun up to sundown. Uh, but there were, were, uh, there were other kinds of fasts that were sometimes for a, a longer period. Uh, sometimes fast would be abstaining from food. Sometimes fast were abstaining from just certain kinds of food. So, for example, Daniel ate vegetables only, the Bible tells us. That sometimes it was just abstaining from certain kinds of food. Sometimes it was abstaining from food and water. Sometimes we see multi-day fasts, like, for example, Queen Esther, when she asked for a three-day fast before she went to Xerxes to ask for, uh, for uh, uh, him to, uh, to, to, to save the people of Israel. And then we see a couple of fasts that I believe are supernatural fasts. Okay? So we see uh, a fast of Moses that was over a period of 40 days and 40 nights where he ate no food and drank no water. That's obviously supernatural. If you do that today, you will die in about two or three days, okay? So there are some fasts in the Bible, like the the 40-day fast of Jesus, the 40-day fast of Moses, that are not necessarily meant to be a pattern for all of us, uh, but it was a practice uh, in a very special situation. Before God uh, gave the law to Moses and uh, before Jesus began his earthly ministry, okay? So we, we see that. Um, so the question is, you know, the one question I think is, is when can, can fasting be good for us? When can fasting be good for us? 
So let me give you a couple ideas. Uh, but to some of you may be thinking, okay, so you're talking about fasting. Well, when do I fast, and what should that fasting be about? Uh, a couple times when fasting can be really, really good for you. If you are at a place where you need to make a really important decision, so you are going to make a major decision that's going to change the direction of your life for possibly the rest of your life, I would say that would be a really good time to fast and pray and to seek God. Uh, another time uh, that can be really good for fasting is if you have an area of deep concern. You have an area, something that, that you know, a while back, uh, a friend of mine, we, we had lunch together, and he had shared with me uh, some stuff that one of his adult children uh, were in a situation that he was very concerned for them. It was very, very unhealthy. And, um, and he had been... Uh, and so what he did was he committed himself to fasting and praying on a weekly basis. Several months later, we got together again, and he told me the story of how God intervened. And it was, it was just really kind of cool. And in his fasting, it was not showy. He was not trying to impress me. He wasn't trying to impress anybody else. It's just that his heart, his heart was gripped with concern for his child. And he was just deeply, deeply concerned. And so I think sometimes if you have a really uh, deep concern, maybe about a family member uh, or something that's going on, maybe it's you have a concern about our nation and where we're at as a nation and where we're headed as a nation. But those can be times where it's appropriate to fast and pray. Uh, another great time to fast is maybe you're struggling with, uh, maybe it's a bad habit, maybe it's a besetting sin, maybe it's some kind of addictive kind of behavior. And, and I do believe that there are things like uh, AA and other things like that that can, can help us. I, I think Celebrate Recovery is fantastic. Uh, there are things like that that can be helpful. But I also think that fasting and praying can be very, very helpful for us in those times. Uh, another time when fasting can be really good for us is that if you're just longing for deeper connection with God, maybe you're going along in your spiritual life, maybe things are, you know, things are nothing terribly wrong going on in your life. Life is maybe good at most levels, but you just feel like there's this disconnect between you and God. Sometimes a time of fasting and prayer can be really good for you to, to, to come to, to a place of spiritual breakthrough in your walk with Jesus, your spiritual walk. Uh, does fasting always have to be abstaining from food? And I would say that sometimes there are better fasts that we might want to think about. So, for example, abstaining from social media. Abstaining from social media. If you're finding your use of social media is becoming obsessive, if you find that it's becoming unhealthy, if you find yourself comparing your life with your old high school buddies, you know, either kind of thinking, hey, my life, I've got it together, or maybe my life's not so good. Uh, it can, abstaining from social media, abstaining from TV, uh, abstaining from uh, just the, the computer or whatever. You know, if those things have become a distraction for you in your walk with Jesus, I would say, you know, eat all the Cocoa Krispies you want and just abstain from some of those kinds of things and spend that time, instead of spending that time doing nothing, spend that time with Jesus. Does that make sense? If you tell me you have a hard time finding time to spend time in prayer in the Word, but you have time to read the news on the Internet, 
But I'm going to tell you, I've already found your time to be in the Word and prayer. You just need to abstain from reading the news. Because reading the news is not going to deepen your walk with Jesus. Reading the Bible will. You understand what I'm saying there? So, um, uh, secret fasting. If you want spiritual muscle, you need to practice spiritual disciplines. But you need to practice them for God's reward. God's reward and not for, uh, not for recognition from people. You need to practice things like secret generosity, secret prayer, secret fasting. And your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Uh, I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come on up. God, today we want to, uh, uh, again, we just, God, you are a good God. You are a good God. You are gracious and merciful. You are righteous in all of your judgment. You are holy, holy, holy. God, you are, um, you're good. You are good. And Lord, what we want is we want to be able to draw near to you. We want to deepen our walk with you. We want a better understanding of these kinds of disciplines, practices, uh, uh, good deeds, acts of righteousness, whatever you want to call it. But we want to do these things, but we want to do it in a way that really deepens our walk with you. So, Lord, what we want to do is we want to learn from Jesus how Jesus would live if he were us doing these kinds of things, whether it's reading our Bible, praying, how we give, how we fast, how we worship, all those things. And we just pray that you would teach us to do that in a way that is honoring of you and deepens our walk with you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Gary. Matthew six nineteen through 21, which happens to be the three verses right after what Gary preached on today, says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves 